0: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: What are the seven basics for deer habitat planning, and how can you make the most out of them while investing the least time and money? That and more on today's episode. Welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast helping new hunters get started and helping active hunters learn new things. I'm your host, George Kanitas, and today we're going to be talking about the basics of deer habitat planning. Right now is the peak of the planning season, midsummer. This is the time to get into the woods, to get some things done to to make some adjustments to do whatever you're able to do in your hunting area if that's your own land then you've got complete latitude if that's someone else's land then likely you can get permission to do a little bit or some things you may not even need that you just need a little bit of wisdom and know-how and if it's public land there are still some things that you can do depending on the area and where you're setting up now most people think oh well you know it it's habitat planning is is not for me that's hard that's expensive that is you know that's just not something i'm interested in i am not in any way uh, advocating that you go out and spend a bunch of money on habitat planning i mean you know i it, the tools that you have with the 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 sweat equity that you have with maybe uh maybe a couple of dollars worth of seed you can do some amazing things and you can just do some little things that can help make your area and your fall hunt better uh, especially for the archery season uh, there's a lot that you can do at this time of year that'll make a difference even that soon and you know i'm i'm this is all for new hunters this is this is the basics this is entry level stuff we're not about buying tractors or borrowing a tractor or any crazy stuff like that Uh, this is about how deer live and number one what you can recognize about how deer live to use that to your advantage then number two how you can adjust and make uh, adjustments and how you can manipulate that in order to improve your hunting area so uh, i know personally myself when i first start first got into hunting i knew nothing about any of these things had no clue wasn't wasn't interested, didn't even didn't even know what I didn't know or what I should know. I, I, was, I was just that far gone, that far, well, I wouldn't say gone. I was just that far of a beginner and just had no clue. I just figured you'd go outside and maybe there's deer there, maybe there's not. Didn't know how or why they were there or weren't there. Uh, but I'll tell you, I've had way more success since I learned about some of these things and started to put them into practice. Uh, it was three years of hunting three years before i shot my first deer three years before i had my first venison steak three years just bumbling along i mean i'm not gonna say like a moron but by year two or three maybe moron would count because i should have known better by then I should have learned some things by then. I should have been further along by that point than I was. And then I started to, started to study, started to get wisdom, started to get understanding, started to get knowledge, started to look into these things. And that year I took a deer, and then the next year I took a deer, and then the next year I took three deer. And my success level went way up. And my venison supply in the freezer also went way up. And, you know, these are not great, amazing, complicated, expensive things. It's, it is the basics. So let's jump into it. Number one, food. Deer need to eat, just like you and me. Deer get hungry. Deer feed five times in a 24-hour period. They feed in the morning, um, right at dawn usually, right around there. They feed midday in their bedding areas. And then they have their afternoon feeding. Usually an hour or two before dark, and then they feed twice at night. Deer need to eat. Now, you don't need to feed the deer everything they need to eat. You know, you don't need to go out and plant 30 acres of food plots. Chances are if you're listening to this podcast, that's not even in, in the, the zone of what's even possible in your life. Um, you know, you do not need to take care of the deer. You don't need to feed the deer. All you need, is to make sure that there's enough food at the right times in your area. And there's different ways that you can influence that. Deer eat all kind of stuff. They eat acorns, they eat mass, they eat soft mass, fruit, apples, whatever drops off of trees. They eat shrub tips and, and briars and woody brows. Uh, and of course, they, they like to eat all different kinds of greenery they like honeysuckle they like weeds deer like weeds grass not so much grass is actually not a deer food source if you see deer grazing in your yard they're probably looking for what's growing in between the grass like clover or weeds or dandelions or all kind of other things but grass itself does not deer do not eat much grass it is not a food source Uh, So when you have fields of stuff, you need to be mindful. What is that field of? If it's a field of grass, that is not a big attractant for deer. Um, But deer need to eat. And whatever you can do to modify or adjust the, the, the food area or just recognize where the food is and use that to guide where you hunt, right? You don't necessarily need to create food if you can just recognize the food recognize where they eat, and then that'll help you to figure out where to hunt. So uh, each one of these seven points could be its own podcast, and I've talked about them some in the past, and we'll talk about them more in the future, but I don't want to get too far into, into any of them, but food's maybe the biggest one. So what you need to be looking for or planning for or trying to identify or trying to make adjustments for is deer's um, their afternoon feeding. Where are they going to eat in the afternoon at four and five and six o'clock in the deer season? Where are they going to be eating before dark? Because deer eat the majority of their food at night and you don't care where they eat at night. It doesn't matter where they eat at night. If they travel for five miles to eat, um, you know, around farms and whatever. Great. That's, that's better for you actually, you know, cause nobody can shoot them at night. They're safe at night. It doesn't matter where they eat. You don't need to try to feed them at night. You don't need to care where they eat at night, but the 4 PM food source is what determines and defines deer movement patterns. So what they're going to do is they're going to bed, usually within a couple hundred yards of that 4 p.m. food source. So they're going to wake up, Well, they're going to come home in the morning, they're going to browse near their bedding areas. So if you know where they're bedding, and that's another point, but if you know where they're bedding, they're going to browse around there, they're going to get up midday, they're going to just browse around that area, then they're going to move to their afternoon food source. So the afternoon food source does a lot to determine where the deer bed, and where the deer live, and where the deer are. So, if, and and you don't need acres of food; you just need to know, or or to set up enough food to to just keep their attention for a little bit. Maybe you've got a bunch of apple trees, and they're going to come through there, and they're going to eat apples for a half hour. And then they're just going to, as it gets dark, they're just going to mosey on to wherever they're looking for their, um, you know, their steak and potatoes, so to speak. That's, that's fine. That's all you need. You know, you don't need 10 acres of food plots. You know, a half acre of a clover patch can be all you need. A 10th of an acre of a clover patch, just enough to get them to move through that area. And then you've got your ability to, to hunt that area. So food is key. Whether or not you can provide a little bit or whether or not you can just recognize where it is. Uh, I think the best and the easiest ways that you can provide food is by um, recognizing and finding fruit trees, acorns, oaks, those kind of things by planting some of yourself or by planting something real simple like clover, which is a perennial and it grows back every year. And for $30, you can get enough seed the best seed that they make on planet earth to to plant a half an acre or less, which is more than enough to get deer's attention and to to impact their movement. And that's what you're trying to do, impact their movement. So number one is food. And this is the time of year to be thinking about food, trying to find the food, where's the food going to be what trees have acorns on them? What trees have apples on them? What trees have whatever, whatever mass it grows in your area on them? They're going to be dropping it in the fall. And then that's going to impact. So you, it doesn't matter so much where they're moving right now. It's where they're going to move in the hunting season. So you want to look for the trees in the areas they're going to provide that afternoon food source or that browse come hunting season. Or if you're planting stuff, that's what you're trying to impact and influence. If you want to plant a clover patch, you're, you're, you're looking for the best area to, to do that in order to, to impact where they are. Now You could say, well, you know, right next door to me, there's uh, a thousand acres of, of beans and they're just going to go there and eat. What can I do? Well, your little tenth of an acre clover patch could be the thing between their bedding area and the wide open bean field. And they can come in there in that secluded little patch and nibble until the sun goes down and they feel safe going out and eating their fill of, uh, of ag. So you don't need all that much to impact and influence. You just need a little bit to get their attention before the sun goes down and then they go off and they can eat you know, whatever they want. So number one is food. Number two, cover.
0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. We'll do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May third. Rated PG thirteen.
1: Deer need cover. You gotta have cover in your habitat. Now, what do we like as people? And as hunters, we like wide open spaces. We want to be able to see, you know, is there a deer within 500 yards of us? We want to be able to see him coming. We want to be able to see him going. We don't want any surprises. We want to, to be able to walk freely. We, we will tend to set up tree stands and blinds and to sit down far, far away from cover. We want to be able to see as far as we can see in every direction. We like open areas. But deer are the opposite. They need cover. They want cover. Cover is security. Cover is safety. Cover uh, insulates them from other deer so they don't have pressure from other deer and and social pressure, which is a thing for deer, especially for bucks if that's what you're hunting, especially. So you got to have cover. If you're hunting in an area where there's no cover, there's gonna be very few deer and the deer won't spend much time there. You know, wide open hardwoods might be great for hunting turkey in the springtime, but for hunting deer, those wide open spaces will not hold many deer. There's nowhere for them to bed. There's nowhere for them to be safe. Bucks especially, they wanna sleep somewhere and relax somewhere where the cover is so, so thick that they feel completely protected from any and all threats and predators. So there's got to be cover. So you want to recognize where there's cover. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite approaches is where you're able to set up a tree stand. I don't want to be able to see, now this is for archery, I don't want to be able to see more than 30 yards in any direction. Because I don't want deer to be able to see me from more than 30 yards in any direction. Which means that if a deer is close enough, I don't see a deer till he's close enough to shoot. And the deer doesn't see me, which is the critical part. He doesn't see me or she doesn't see me until I'm close enough to shoot. And that protects me from scaring deer off that are 100 yards away who can see me before I see them because they can see real good and hear real good. And we are notorious for being sloppy and making noise and moving around and scratching our ear and whatever. So the more cover you have, that actually helps you as a hunter. That helps your chances. So I don't like to be able to see further than I can shoot. If it's rifle season, I don't want to be able to see more than a hundred yards because I'm not going to shoot more than a hundred yards. Most situations where I hunt now, wherever you hunt, you adapt that and and that range to whatever works for you. So that's, you got to have cover. Now, what can you do to influence cover? Well, you find cover, And you hunt in areas with cover, but you can also plant cover. Now, you're not gonna go and plant jagger bushes. You're not gonna go and plant stuff like that, but you could plant switchgrass. You could plant uh, corn. You could plant different things that will provide some cover in the fall for deer. Switchgrass, especially, is maybe the best thing that you could plant. The seed is cheap, cheap, super cheap. It's relatively easy to grow. Now, this is not the time of year to plant it, but you could think about it for next year. You can plant it in the fall or the winter or the early spring. But uh, switchgrass is real good because it'll grow six to ten feet high. If you really you know work on it, it'll grow thick and it won't fall down in the winter time. So no matter how late it gets in the year, no matter how much snow you get, that switchgrass will still provide cover, and it'll provide cover for deer, and cover for turkeys, and cover for pheasants, and cover for rabbits, and whatever else, and it can really help impact and influence uh, your wildlife diversity and habitat. So switchgrass can be really good. Now, switchgrass is not food. They're not going to eat that. So you don't need acres of the stuff. You just need... Uh, uh, some corridors of it for screening and for cover and it never really needs to be more than 10 feet thick you know but you can provide cover you can you know if you've got a a little a little clearing in the middle of of the woods right maybe you've got a quarter acre clearing that you've made or somebody's made or whatever however it got there and it's just surrounded by open hardwoods well that's nice, but that's not great. But if you plant some screening around the outside of that cover, then deer can come in there and be safe and they can eat whatever you plant and whatever comes down. Now all of a sudden you've got some you've got some cover, you've got some edge, and deer are creatures of edge. They love edge. They don't want all cover, they don't want all woods. They love it when there's edge, and edge is where habitat changes. So you go from woods to field and you've got all that junk in between. That's what they love. They love edge. So there's got to be cover. If you're looking for bucks and big bucks, you better be looking near cover and lots of cover. The further you can see, the less chance of you seeing a big buck. Does are uh, not quite as as a uh, sticklers for cover, but They're going to bed in cover. They're not just going to bed, they're not just going to hang out in wide open spaces. If they're they're eating in the middle of a field, that's not where they're living, they're going to retreat to cover and they're going to come from cover and they're going to go back to cover. So you want to hunt near cover, near edge. And if you can create cover, you want to create that cover. Number three is bedding. Where are deer going to bed? Where can they sleep? Does like to sleep right next to their main food sources. They want to sleep within 100 yards most of the time, maybe 150, maybe closer than that, maybe 10 yards from their main food source. Those like to be as close to the food. They're lazy in some ways. They just want it to be convenient. They want to have easy access from their well-hidden, lots of cover bedding area, boom, to their food source. That's what they want. Bucks, on the other hand, they're going to bed further back. They're going to bed 100, 200, 300 yards further back than the does will. And they want really thick cover. So there are some things you can do to create bedding areas, uh, but that's probably more work than, than, than it's worth getting into at this point. You want to look for bedding areas. You want to hunt where there could be bedding areas reasonably close by where the deer are going to, you know, if it's just wide open space for miles, mm, that's not, that's not going to hold a lot of deer. That's not going to have a good consistent deer movement in that. So you want to look for, uh, where can they bed? You don't want to hunt in the bedding areas. You never want to go into a bedding area during deer season, but you want to hunt near bedding areas. And if you want to create bedding areas, you can create that by adding cover, by adding switchgrass, you can create that by adding, um, you know, small stands of conifer trees and, and things like that. You can create bedding areas by doing some hinge cuts, uh, you know, taking a bunch of trees, then then cutting them about waist level, but not all the way through. So they'll fall down, but they'll still be part of that bark attached. And what will happen is that fallen tree will still sprout leaves and buds and shoots while it's on the ground. So that's going to create good cover that can help with bedding areas. It's also going to create food and browse so they can nibble on those leaves and they can nibble on those shoots and they can nibble on on those tips. So those are things that you can do to create cover. If there's no cover, if it is just wide open forest, then you need to take action. If that's the only place you can hunt, you need to get permission from whoever you need to get permission from, and maybe drop down some trees. Um, you know, there's a lot of fads around this, and what do you need to do, and so forth. Uh, best thing you can do, I think, is you just want to cut them at waist level. People talk about cutting them at head level or even higher than that in order to create canopy so that deer can hide under the canopy. Deer aren't scared of the sky. They're not scared of the sun. They're not scared of the moon. They're not scared of the dark. What they're scared of is coyotes and such coming from around them. They're scared of people being able to see them. Bucks are not scared of, but wary of does. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want lots of other deer, especially young deer in their bedding areas and where they hang out. They they want to have their space, but they want their cover. So you want to cut trees low so that you can give side cover, and so that there can be browse that tree can sprout still for a few years and provide a food source. Uh, but also, the number one way to create cover is get sun on dirt. Sun on dirt will create cover. It'll create you know regeneration. It'll create new growth. So you know if you're if you own or you're hunting on you know just an area that's just a bunch of woods and just you know wide open woods. You know, if you just go in there and you just bring down an acre or a half acre or a quarter acre of timber, just cut it down, let it fall, open up that canopy, maybe you want to drag some of it out, maybe you want to have some of it just set up as side cover, but uh, just cut that stuff down, sunlight will hit dirt and boom, you will have weeds and you will have all kind of crazy stuff growing there, which is what deer love. And then when you got sunlight, you could plant stuff. You could plant some switchgrass. You could plant some food. You could, you could do all kinds of things. You could plant some fruit trees. You can, you know, whatever you want to do. Uh, just I would be, be very mindful that you're not cutting down trees that produce food. Don't cut down oak trees. Don't cut down apple trees. Don't cut down any tree that's a source of food for the deer. Cut down other trees if you're trying to get sunlight on the dirt. So that is bedding they got to have a place to bed. Number four, travel corridors. Deer need to travel from bedding to food to cover and back again. And deer, just like people, they like to travel the the path of least resistance. They don't want to have to just push through dense jagger stuff. They want to hide in the middle of dense jagger stuff. But they want to be able to get from place to place relatively easy. Now what people tend to do is they'll go out and they will they will cut trails wide enough to drive on and drive on them or use their truck in order to, to just mow stuff down or bulldoze or whatever. That's overkill. That's beyond overkill. You know, you don't need anything wider than three feet. Doesn't need to be wider than three feet. Deer don't need that much space. In fact, if it's too much open space, they may feel vulnerable walking on it, and they might not. But you want to identify not just travel corridors that are convenient for you, but what really helps the deer. Where are they bedding? Where are they eating? And then where are they going after that? Where's their cover? And where can you help connect the dots? Because what you're doing is you're focusing their movement with the travel corridor. It's not that they won't move without somebody helping them out. It's that you're focusing that movement. You're creating a, an easy trail for them to follow. A trail, not a road. A trail road can have the opposite effect. Just a small little trail. Just enough, you know, do they can, they can move easily with side cover from one area to another. So you'll identify travel corridors, which is the easiest way if you need to cut some travel corridors. I think that the best way I've found to do that is uh, with one of those swing blades. I don't even know what the technical term for them is, but uh, it's kind of like you got a stick, and on the other end of that stick, you got a blade. Kind of like a, it's kind of like a hockey stick, but the blade side to side. You can just swing that, and you can cut through grass, and you can cut through jaggers, and you can cut through small trees, and you just go swinging that thing back and forth. You can cut through branches all kind of stuff and so if you need to cut through a little bit of stuff a little bit being the key to, to make some travel corridors especially if you are creating some cover you're creating some bedding areas you're creating some food and there aren't natural trails in between them you can help define those trails and 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 help impact deer movement in your area number five focus points, focus points. If, if you do nothing else, these are the things that can make a difference for you and cost can cost nothing and or very little and can make a difference. So you've got deer bedding somewhere. You've got them eating somewhere. You've, if, if you can find where deer are moving, you don't even need to know all the details. It doesn't need to all be on the property that you're on. You know, some people's property, there's no food. There's not going to be any food. There's no bedding, but it's a travel corridor and they're traveling across particular piece of land to go from, you know, bedding to food. That's okay. You don't need to have all of these things on your land. If you can identify where they are, that can be enough to help you. But if you can identify where deer are moving, you can create focus points. Now, focus points are mock scrape. Focus points are water holes. Focus points are anything that you put out there that, you know, if deer just walking through this area, what can cause them to detour just a little bit to to hit this thing? So, mock scrape, and I've done episodes on this in the past, and you can go back and check these out, um, is basically you take a branch or you take a vine. And you hang that branch or vine from a tree. Maybe you've got a good branch, a good tree branch. You can tie it to. I mean, you want like a five or six foot stretch of vine, or you know, or a branch in that area. And you want you want to hang it so that the it it comes down and the bottom of is about waist level. And what deer are gonna do is just like with any other natural scrape. They're going to come, they're going to lick that branch, they're going to rub the orbital glands on their head against it, they're going to paw the dirt in front of it, and it becomes sort of a scent focal point. You know, a buck can travel through there and he can hit a scrape and he can he can smell all the deer that have come through that area and hit that scrape. It's kind of like a signpost. So who's who of what other deer have come through here. And you have lots of deer year-round. They may not paw the ground year round, but I've got trail cams up year round, deer just hitting the scrapes all year. Not every deer, not every time they go through, but all year deer are licking, they're rubbing their heads on them and you never want to touch that stick, but it be, creates a focal point. So deer coming through, they may detour a little bit to that focal point. Another thing could be a water hole. Deer don't need to drink a lot. They get most of their moisture from their food most of their moisture from the the leafy things that they eat but if it's real hot or in the rut in the fall when bucks are cruising and they're on the move and they're looking for does and they're they're not resting much and they're not eating much they will stop to drink and if you're in a dry area or on a property where there isn't any water or your elevation is a little bit higher from water you could put in a water hole and you can create a focal point where deer can stop on a regular basis uh, wherever they're going or wherever they're cruising to take a sip to get a drink. So you can bring that movement in and focus where they are. Uh, and I think the best way to do that is get maybe, um, you get like a 50 to 100 gallon pond or drum, uh, dig that thing deep into the ground, slope the sides down so when it rains, rain water can... can refill this thing because you don't want to be going out in the woods every couple months to refill a water hole that's just work at that point you want to sort of build it into the landscape so that it refills itself you've got a critter stick in it i mean a, a piece of wood in it so that if a squirrel falls in the water hole it can climb out on that stick you know you don't want dead animals dying in your water hole stinking it up because then nothing will drink from it they can take a long time to recover but deer will come and they will drink from that's that, that Stagnant water—they like it; they're all about it. So, if you have a water hole and a mock scrape in the same area, you've got a lot of reasons for deer to focus their attention there on their regular movement or when bucks are cruising. Number six is cameras. So, cameras are not really a habitat improvement. You, but you know, you wanna you wanna put your cameras in the places where the habitat makes the most sense for them so where's the best place for a camera on your focal points or your focus points if you've got a water hole and a mock scrape that's where you should put a camera if you're making a place where deer are going to focus their attention that's where you want to put a trail cam if you've got a good travel corridor right on that travel corridor is where you want to put a camera if you've got a good food source on that food source is where you want to put a camera people tend to just put cameras in the middle of the woods and you know they get two pictures a year and they're like well there's no deer here well deer aren't just hanging out in the middle of the woods deer aren't going places because they got you know they're just bored and 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 lounging they're they're on their way somewhere when they're moving they're on their way to food they're on their way to bedding they're on their way to cover they're running away from a predator or they're looking for more food which is probably when you get those few pictures of the ones just in the middle of nowhere land. So you want to put cameras on places where you've got reason to believe the deer are going to be. You don't want to put them near your bedding areas though because you don't want to get into or too close to bedding areas because that's the best way you can push bucks off your land and uh, not see them again that season. And then number seven are your tree stands. Now this is not really a habitat improvement but this is really what it all comes down to. This is why it matters. Where are you going to put your tree stands or your, your hunting blind? Where are you going to put it? Where are you going to set it up? You know, where's Where are you going to fit this into the deer ecosystem? Now you know a little bit about how they live, how they operate, where they're hanging out, what they're doing. Where are you going to put your tree stand? Well, you guessed it. Focal points would be a great place to put a tree stand. If you have a focus point, where you've got a water hole and a mock scrape and a camera, why would you not put a tree stand there? That's that's a no-brainer. Assuming the camera gives you the intel that you need to make that decision, which is why we use the cameras. Cameras let you know: is this working? Is this mock scrape working? Is this water hole working? Is this travel corridor working? Is this food area working? You can create you can cut the best travel corridor ever. And and you can You know, you you can plant uh, turf grass on it so it's soft on the deer's feet. But if they're not walking on it, then you set up a tree stand there and hunt that place for 10 straight days and there's no deer. I mean, you've wasted all that. So you want to use cameras to help determine where you're going to put your tree stands. And depending on how many cameras you have, you can test multiple areas at the same time. Um, now of course, you know, you've got sign, you can look for footprints, you can look for pellets and droppings, you can look for rubs and scrapes, you can do all those things, but you won't know the details. You won't know how many deer, how often, what time of day, right? Are the deer always in that area in the morning or the afternoon? Well, you hunt the the opposite one and you've got no deer. You know, are are the bucks making those yearlings or uh, two-year-old bucks or are they five-year-old bucks? You know, are they a six point or are they a massive 10 point? You know, the camera can, can help you determine that. The does that are coming through there. Are they just, just two yearlings? Or or do you have, you know, some serious does that, that have some meat on their bones that are worth taking to the butcher and, and spending that effort and money? And then again, when are they there? Are they there every other day? Are they there once a week? Are they there every day? The camera helps you understand the the pace and the cadence and help you make decisions on where you want to hunt. You know, with the cost of all these things, though, the cost of a camera, and I've done episodes in the past on cameras and where to put them and how to set them up, so you can go in all the details there. But, you know, the bottom line here is all about hunting. So, all of these things work together. To help you determine where you should put your tree stand or your blind or a couple tree stands or blinds, because based on the wind for that day, you want a couple options. And this helps you figure out where to set up, how to invest your time, and so on. But now's the time to get in the woods, to get out there and to look for or plan for food to get out there and to figure out cover, to get out there and to look for and identify and and maybe make some adjustments in bedding and travel corridors and focus points and cameras and stands. Now's a great time to, to be working on these things. Keep in mind though, you're not so much trying to figure out where the deer are now, you're trying to figure out where they're gonna be in the fall, in the hunting season. You know, where are they going if you hunt archery, where are they going to be in October and September? If you're hunting rifle, where are they going to be in November and December? So you're not looking for the food sources necessarily they're eating now. You know, they might be eating soybeans on the neighbor's field. Well, that field won't be there in November. So you want to look for the trees that are growing apples and acorns now that there's no deer eating under because the food's still in the trees. And figuring out, okay, okay, where are those deer going to be later when, you know, these A-plus agricultural food sources and farms run out and they get plowed over and they get harvested? Where are the gear going to be after that? Where are they going to be when you're hunting? So that's what you want to think about. All this is not so much based on where they're at now, though that's, you know, just to know they're in the area is good. But you want to be thinking about where are they going to be when you are going to be hunting them? What are they going to be eating then? You know, what you plant today is not what they're going to be eating today. It's what they're going to be eating then. So all these things come together. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. Head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out the show notes. Leave me some feedback. Send me an email. Hit me up on Facebook. Send me a comment through the website. Love to hear from you. Love to get your feedback and your questions. Uh, Appreciate you guys. Till next time, God bless you and go get them in the woods.